Hello, I'm Oliver Colling, and this is my 70s TV childhood at Christmas. Welcome back to my 70s TV childhood, and thanks for joining us for our Christmas special. Unlike most of the Christmas specials we used to love in the 1970s, this hasn't been recorded in the summer and kept waiting to be unleashed on you just before the big day. I'm recording this middle of December. In the UK, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful, as Frank Sinatra once sang. Although I don't really want it to snow before I stop working for Christmas, because, Frank, as nice as a sentiment is when you sing, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, it doesn't help me navigate the British road network very well. Anyway, the shops are full of Christmas gifts, the tills in the German Christmas markets across the UK are ringing merrily, and across the country, small children are awaiting the arrival of a very special visitor on Christmas Eve. Ho, 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 ho! As an aside, I wonder what they do in Germany. Do they have British Christmas markets where you can buy a roast beef sandwich washed down with small glasses of real ale for 20 euros a piece? Or perhaps there's no one left in Germany as so they're all over here instead selling their wares to us? Somebody might know, so. Yeah, if you want to, get in touch. So, this is our fourth Christmas special, which means we've been doing this podcast for quite a long time now. Too long, perhaps, for some of you. But it means we are looking at going into our fifth year of the podcast in January. As always, I want to thank you, our listeners, for supporting the podcast in what are staggeringly large numbers. The pleasure I get from hearing from you about particular TV shows or memories you have after listening to the podcast makes it all worthwhile. And if you're new to the podcast, then a very warm welcome to you. It's really good to have you listening. And, as Bing Crosby and later Michael Bublé said, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. So I'd like to take you back to the 1970s once again, and to that very special time of year, which is Christmas. I loved Christmas as a child. The building expectation, the excitement of what Father Christmas may or may not bring, getting together with relatives, and being off school for a few weeks and able to indulge in watching more TV. The arrival of the special double editions of the Radio Times and the TV Times meant time to identify highlights and plan my Christmas TV viewing schedule. From early morning cartoons and serials, feature films, and then into special editions of our favourite sitcoms in the evenings. 1970s Christmas TV had a different feel from the rest of the year when, as I'm sure many of you will remember, TV wasn't on all the time, particularly not on BBC. So instead of the test card, we had a choice of viewing. Hard to imagine that now, in the days of video-on-demand, catch-up and Netflix. We also had lots of special Christmas-themed adverts. Very good price. I got a warm claro breeze to dry my true love's hair. And a pony 
Well, that's the wonder of Woolies. Stores like Woolworths went right over the top with their advertising. It must have been vital to the whole year. And in those days, Woolworths sold just about everything. So your present list could be ticked off under one roof, if your parents wanted it to be. There was also the Argos catalogue, which was a vital source of present inspiration for a generation of children. The catalogue was huge, and the winter edition was very much geared to Christmas with page after page of toys. Looking back, I feel a bit sorry for parents who were presented with huge long lists of demands, which were all referenced to a page in the Argos catalogue. I always had a bit of a quandary with my present list. Now, do I only ask for a few presents, which I really want, or do I come up with a long list in the hope that a few of them might make the cut with my parents? Perhaps at that young age I was overthinking it a bit, but it normally worked out with my getting great presents. As listeners to our previous Christmas reminiscences might remember, I had some really memorable presents during the 1970s, like a train set, which had been passed on from a neighbour's family, which was absolutely marvellous, Action Man, which was, well, just brilliant, and best of all, I got the special stadium edition of Sabutio in 1977, which I do think is the best ever Christmas present I received when I was a child. There were always lots of other things like games and a Cadbury selection box and sometimes, if I was lucky, a chocolate orange. But there were also lots of little stocking fillers and gifts from aunties and uncles to look forward to on Christmas Day. There were also lots of things I thought I wanted, having seen them advertised on television. Let's take another commercial break. Turn to operate. Operate? You messed it up, Butterfingers! <laughs> it's Operation, the mad sure. doctor's game. <clears throat> Take out his spare ribs for 100 pounds. Oh, you'll never do that. Don't touch your sides. <laughs> Here goes his funny bone. You need a very steady hand. I did it. That's 200 pounds for me. Can I have a go? Operation, the mad doctor's game from MB Games. Mousetrap and rebound. Two games of cunning from Ideal. Build the craziest mousetrap that was ever made to catch a mouse. Kick the bucket down the chute, turn the handle, take a dive, and... Now rebound, and the pressure's building up. Great shot next door. Home team with one more go. Aim. Shoot! Through the two blues and he's done it. Oh, now you'll have to ask him round again. Mousetrap and rebound. They're both Ideal. I long to have mousetrap. I'm not really sure why. I think that the TV advertising played a strong part in that. My mother maintained it looked like plastic tat, and eventually I found out she was absolutely right when I got to play with a friend of mine who did get it for Christmas. It also turned out to be rubbish. On the theme of adverts, I seem to remember that many of the TV Christmas ads were imploring us to eat lots of chocolates, drink ourselves into a stupor, and then smoke a Hamlet or a Castella cigar. But some of the ads were extremely sophisticated. At least, that's what it seemed to me as a child watching Christmas TV in Warrington. Inimitable chef-d'oeuvre. Literally a masterpiece that cannot be equaled. 
d'équilibre entre la vivifiante et la délicate balance entre la warmth of the spirit. Vous follow? Oh, yeah. And uh, les vertus amères des oranges mûries, how you say, and the bitter virtues, virtues, yes, of oranges ripened under the tropical sun. Voilà, that is quite trop. <laughs> What a smoothie that French guy was. Read the ingredients off the label of the bottle with a French accent, and you'll make yourself entirely irresistible to women. Easy, eh? Personally, I'm surprised that the woman he was chatting up didn't pour a drink over his head after that. But maybe I'm not sophisticated enough for Quantro. And speaking of being irresistible to women, the surefire winner for a 1970s Christmas present was Aftershave. Across the country, stockings were filled with Old Spice, denim, and of course, Brute 33, often with accompanying talcum powder, whatever that was for. But if you really wanted to attract women, there was only one aftershave you could want in the 1970s, and it even came with instructions in self-defence. High karate aftershave. Use too much and you're asking for trouble, because just one whiff drives women wild. Takes men irresistible. Fortunately, every pack of high karate contains essential instructions on self-defense. High karate aftershave. Be careful how you use it. I think we had some very funny ideas about relationships in the 1970s, given that advert. But I suppose we had funny ideas as a society about lots of things. But back to Christmas presents. What would be a good present for a grown-up in the 1970s? How about some of the latest photographic technology brought to life by Felicity Kendall and Richard Bryars in this advert from 1979, in which they appeared as their sort of Tom and Barbara characters from The Good Life? For the hardest people in the world to buy for, how about the world's simplest camera, Polaroid 1000? You don't have to worry about focusing. Just as well over Christmas. Because there isn't any. You just push this button. If they can find it. <laughs> Super colour pictures that capture the spirit of Christmas in minutes. Ah, well, what do you give the man who already has a Polaroid 1000? Polaroid 1000. What a brilliant idea. You take a photograph and you can look at the photograph there and then, instead of having to take your film to the chemist, wait a week, and then go back to collect your photographs, only to find that half of them didn't come out and the other half were, well, not very good. I think this idea of taking pictures that you can actually view immediately after you've taken them might just catch on. As you may suspect, I'm quite keen on my gadgets, and that was true as a child in the 1970s. And in 1978 and 1979, my main Christmas presents were a four-band radio, and then a year later, a cassette recorder and player. The radio was a Sony radio. It was eye-wateringly expensive for those days, and it had four bands. VHF, better known now as FM, medium wave, long wave and short wave. I was fascinated by shortwave radio and it opened my ears to all sorts of strange broadcasts from around the world, including the likes of Radio Moscow, whose anti-capitalist communist rhetoric I found fascinating as a 10-year-old. One of my friends then spooked me a little bit, telling me that the government compiled a list of people who listened to Radio Moscow because they could tell, you know, and that at some point I could expect to be arrested. 
so I listened a little bit less often after that. The 1979 edition of a cassette recorder and player made the whole audio experience complete, as it meant that I could now record the Top 40 countdown every Sunday by linking the two machines where they didn't lead and keeping my fingers crossed that the tape didn't get chewed up by the machine, which, as I'm sure many of you remember, was a fairly regular occurrence. Other friends of mine were even luckier and got the new all-in-one radio cassette players. But what of Christmas TV itself? I was speaking to my sister recently and I asked her what childhood Christmas memories she had of the 1970s and, rather unexpectedly, she said she remembered it as a time when people were often ill. She then pointed out that both my grandfathers died just before Christmas, that my mother had been ill one Christmas and that I missed Christmas 1976 altogether because I was in bed with glandular fever. It's not that I didn't remember all of this, but they aren't the main memories I have now. Funny how your brain works. But what it did do was remind me that in 1976 Christmas passed me by. I managed to get up briefly for Christmas dinner, and lasted about 15 minutes before I was violently ill and had to limp back to bed. But that means I missed out on a whole festive period of great television. And it got me thinking. What did I miss? And was it any good? So I'm going to try and find out, as I've managed to get copies of the TV and Radio Times Christmas and New Year double edition for 1976. I'm going to take a look. Now, there have been some listeners who've accused me of being too BBC-centric, so in the interests of equality, let's start by looking at what was on ITV on Christmas Day in 1976. Here we go, 22nd, 23rd. Oh, and just before we get to Christmas Day, I've noticed that on Christmas Eve I missed a special edition of Pipkins, where everyone was trying to hard to hide Johnny's Christmas presents. Bet that was good. Oh, and then in the afternoon, Tommy Steele was in the musical Half a Sixpence. Lots of good family fun there. Okay, so let's turn on to the big day itself, and what do we find on the ITV schedules? Okay, so we're starting off at 8.45am with carols from Durham Cathedral with Roy Detrice. Very nice. 9.30, The Legend of the Christmas Messenger. 10am, Christmas morning service from Boxgrove Priory, Chichester. That's a very sort of healthy religious start to the day. 11am, we have a programme called A Merry Morning. Not quite sure what that's about, but it had Jimmy Tarbuck in it. So Jimmy Tarbuck being part of A Merry Morning doesn't quite tie in with some of the memories I have of him. But anyway, that was followed by, up uh, 11.30, old film favourite, Dr. Doolittle, with Rex Harrison in the leading role. I think we all remember that one. 2.15pm, Christmas Supersonic. And this took us on a special trip on Concord for Christmas. That's very exciting. Three o'clock, we have the Queen. And the nation grinds to a halt. And at ten past three, we have the film version of Please Sir, starring John Alderson, Derek Guyler and Joan Sanderson. Now, I do remember Please Sir, and I do remember you know, it's followed on the Fenchurch Street Gang. Um, but actually... Is that really the big blockbuster film you want to have on after the Queen's speech? It doesn't really feel like it to me, but I'm sure lots of jolly times were had watching. And that was followed at five o'clock by a special Christmas edition of New Faces, hosted by Derek Hobson. And the judges, Jack Parnell, Les Reed, Shaw Taylor. I don't remember Shaw Taylor being on New Faces, but it must have been. And Muriel Young. 
six o'clock we have the news followed by oh this is more like it the christmas sale of the century with nicholas parsons direct from norwich for the quiz of the week brilliant 6.45, what have we got? The, the John Curry Ice Spectacular with Millicent Martin and Wayne Sleep. What is it about ice skating? All three of these things that we used to have on that were on ice. I still don't quite get that. And the big film of the evening was, at 8 o'clock, Waterloo starring Rod Steiger. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem very festive either. Um, yes, a recreation of the Battle of Waterloo. Not very Christmassy, I don't think. Uh, new more news at 10.25, followed by Two's Company, with Elaine Stritch and Donald Sinden. I'd forgotten about that one as well, actually. And we end with 11.05, celebration with Sigurdine Evans, Petula Clark, Ray Smith and Angara Dries. So that sounds, I'd imagine, like lots of nice readings and songs, etc. And at 12 o'clock, there's something called Christmas Pie, which the uh, TV Times doesn't actually tell me what that is. So, but I'm sure it was very, very good. Hmm. Some reasonable stuff in there, but I'm feeling slightly underwhelmed. Perhaps I might have been better off being ill in bed. So let's put that down. Let's pick up the Radio Times. Okay, let's see what that has in store for us. And let's start with BBC Two. So BBC Two didn't kick off until 10 past 12 with some Christmas Day reflections spoken by Ian McKenzie. Very nice. Uh, 12.15, we've got Horizon documentary on the mystery of King Arthur and his round table. That sounds quite exciting. Oh, and at five past one, we've got Christmas Day play away. And according to the Radio Times, this is an entertainment for children. Well, we sort of knew that, didn't we? Starring Brian Kant with Tony Arthur, Chloe Ashcroft, Derek Griffiths, Lionel Morton, Spike Heatley, Alan Rushton, Jeff Crampton and Stephen Henderson. I think I'd have probably liked that, so I'm a bit sorry I missed it. At 1.40, we've got carols from King's College, Cambridge, repeated from Christmas Eve. Oh, repeats within 24 hours. Three o'clock, we have The Queen. And then at 3.15, we have The Snow Queen, a fairy tale for television. That does sound more like a sort of typical Christmas viewing. 4.20, we have an adaptation of Alice Through the Looking Glass with Brenda Bruce, Freddie Jones, Jeffrey Bailden, a.k.a. Cat Weasel, Judy Parfit, Richard Pearson and Sarah Sutton. Well, again, that sounds a bit more bit more entertaining, a bit more festive, a bit more of a good sort of family programme. I think by this stage I was back asleep in bed, but never mind. At 5.30, audition. Matthew gets the chance to sing in the choir of St Mary's Church. Huh. Well, that's the soundtrack to an animated film. Oh, it only goes on for five minutes, so it must be, um, must be okay. Bit of news, followed by 5.45, a documentary about Ica the polar bear. Ica was born in a Berlin zoo. When she was a few months old, she left the zoo to be brought up as a pet by a Russian family in Siberia. It was then decided to take her back to a natural environment to the Arctic to see if she could adapt to life there. Well, that sounds rather nice. I think I might have liked that. This was followed at 6.35 by 40 years, a raid on the archives of BBC television. So if you go back 40 years from 1976, you'd be in 1936. Wow, which I think was the year the BBC started. Or it was, I might be wrong with that, it might have started a bit earlier, but maybe BBC television started in 1936, that's right. That's a bit frightening, because if you go back 40 years from where we are now, 2023, that's actually only 1983. Oh dear. 
1976 was as far away from 1936 as we are from 1983. I think that makes me feel rather old. But anyway, let's move on. After more news, we've got Survival in Limbo, a true experience relived by Duncan Cars. Don't really know what that was about. 10.15, we have a presentation of popular carols called Single Faithful from Devon. Very nice. And we finish off with the Christmas film Christmas with Cagney, Yankee Doodle Dandy from 1942, starring Jimmy Cagney. Well, that's a good film as well. Some good stuff there. Regular listeners will remember how fondly I remember Brian Kant and the whole Play School and Play Away gang too. And things like Alice Through the Looking Glass and the Snow Queen just feel like good sort of Christmas Day programmes. So what about BBC One then? Always the channel of choice for our family for the Queen's speech. Not quite sure why, but it always was. But what other delights might I have missed there? Let's have a look. Right, Christmas Day. Starts off with Ragtime with Maggie Harrison and the great Fred Harris. 8.55, Sing Noel. Pupils of school from Essex joined together in the beautiful parish church of Thaxted to tell the Christmas story. Yes, etc, etc, etc. Very good. 9.45, ah, Hong Kong Fooey. Just what you want on Christmas morning, a bit of Hong Kong Fooey. 10 past 10, Angela Rippon appeals for television for the deaf. Very good. And a 10.15 Christmas morning service from Coventry. So more religion. There was a lot of it about, it being Christmas and all. 11.15, we've got Rod Hulanemi singing a Christmas song with their special guest star, again almost inevitably, Rolf Harris. 11.45, Four Clowns. Films featuring Laurel and Hardy, Charlie Chase, Buster Keaton. One twenty. Holiday on Ice. What is it about ice? I could never understand why all these things were these spectacular entertainments on ice. So on ITV we had John Curry on ice, and almost at the same time on BBC we had Holiday on Ice. What was it about all of that? <sighs> anyway, ten past two. Oh, bit of a highlight for me. Top of the Pops. The Christmas Top of the Pops was a fantastic TV occasion, and this year it was hosted by Noel Edmonds and Dave Lee Travis. Three o'clock, we've got the Queen, and then at 3.15, for some reason, we have Billy Smart's Christmas Circus. As regular listeners will know, I hated this, and I generally hated the circus. I, I really didn't see the point, but I know that some of you, and you've told me in your emails, loved it, so I'll just have to sort of grin and bear it and hope that you enjoyed that Christmas. 4.15 film, Oliver. Ah, very apt. Uh, like that one. And um, when you called Oliver, it's amazing the number of people who will come up to you and go, oh, just like Oliver, and start singing, Oliver, Oliver, never before has a boy wanted more. So I bet nobody's ever said that to you before, have they? And do you know what? Somebody has always said it to me, many, many, many times in the past. Right, so what else have we got? Let's turn the page over. Okay, evening news with Peter Woods, followed by a special Bruce Forsyth and the Generation game with Anthea Redfern. And then the highlight, or what would have been the highlight if it hadn't been in bed, of mine and many others, Christmas Days, the Morecambe Wise Christmas Show. And who were the guest stars in 1976? Elton John, John Thor and Dennis Waterman, Kate O'Mara, Marion Montgomery, and the Nolans. Hmm. Well, I've seen some of that subsequently, and I think the sketch they do with um, John Thor and Dennis Waterman, basically they're playing their roles from the Sweeney, was great because uh, they then also appeared in an episode of the Sweeney, which I, I remember fondly. So happy memories from that. So I wouldn't have minded seeing that. 8.45, film Airport, 
with Burt Lancaster, Dean Martin, Gene Seberg, and Jacqueline Bissett. Very good. More news from Peter Woods at 10.55. And then we had something called the Parkinson Magic Show with Fred Capps, Ricky Jay, and Ricciardi Jr. What happened there? I've no idea, and I probably don't really want to know. And then we closed down. Nothing too late, nothing too outrageous. That was it for our Christmas Day viewing. Do you know, having just run through that, part of me thinks I might have been better off being ill in bed, particularly for holiday ice and especially for Billy Smart's blooming Christmas circus. But I would have enjoyed Morgan Wise and the two of them with Regan and Carter would have been well worth seeing. In a postscript to my Christmas Day in 1976, once I managed to drag myself out of my sick bed, which I reckon was somewhere around New Year's Day 1977, I thought I might try and eat one of the chocolate tree decorations, which we always had on the Christmas tree. But imagine my disappointment when I found they'd all been eaten. Not that I hold a grudge about this, and I'm still going on about it 40-odd years later. But I mentioned it to my sister when we spoke recently, as I've always thought she must have eaten them all. But she maintains that it was she and my parents who polished off all the chocolates while I was lying in my sickbed. Hmm. Now, neither of my parents is around to dispute this, so I think it's going to have to remain a mystery. Well, I think it's about time for me to get my chestnuts roasting on an open fire, to start decking the holes with boughs of holly, and to start trimming my tree, whatever any of that means. So I hope you've got a good supply of Advocar and lemonade, a few bottles of Baby Sham, and a crate of QC British Sherry to see you through the Christmas holiday. Don't forget to open that box of special Christmas biscuits that you'll only have a couple of before throwing them away in April. And if you're thinking of buying some dates because that's what you're supposed to do at Christmas, I suggest that you don't bother. Seriously though, thank you for listening. Not just today, but throughout this year. And I'd like to wish you all a very happy, healthy and joyous Christmas. We'll be back next week with a very special episode of our podcast in which we'll be remembering the great and much-missed Bob Monkhouse on the 20th anniversary of his death. Really hope you can join us for that. In the meantime, if you have any Christmas memories to share, or any suggestions on what you'd like to see featured in the podcast, you can visit our blog at www.my70stvchildhood.com, leave a message on one of our many social media sites, or just email me directly, oliver at my70stvchildhood.com. So take care. Don't forget to like, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us again soon for more from My 70s TV Childhood. Happy Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas.